I have never heard Mike say amen so loud when Pat said that she had a big mouth. That was good. Pat, amen. Pat, we like your big mouth for the unborn, amen? We need to all have a big mouth for the unborn. Ephesians chapter 5, we're in our series part 5 here today, a blueprint for Christian conduct. Paul is giving us the nuts and bolts of how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for the word of God that tells me how I should behave. Amen. How many would say that without the word, we would just be a bigger mess than we are? Amen. I'm a mess without Jesus. I need more Jesus. I don't know about you. Now, first service was a little quiet. So you guys going to preach back at me today? Amen. Chapter 5 of Ephesians, I'm going to read verses 7 through about 11, and then we're going to jump in and continue in this series. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you that uh, your word has the power to change us from the inside out. God, we don't want to just be hearers, but we want to be doers today. So help us, Holy Spirit, illuminate the text to us and highlight the truths that we need to apply to our lives. And Father, I pray that none of us would leave here like we came today, but we leave changed today by the Holy Spirit. And the church said... Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse, uh, let's start in 7 here. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead even expose them. So 7 through 10 are our target verses. Therefore, do not be, say partakers. Do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness and righteousness and truth. Verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So Paul continues here in his blueprint for Christian conduct. And we said that we as Christians need to know how to behave. Why? Because the world is looking at us and deciding what they think about Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little sobering that the world will look at me and decide what they think about Jesus. And it is sobering because you all got real quiet. And the thing is that we are ambassadors of Christ, so we represent him. So our conduct is important. Now, remember we said in our last uh, deposit of this message series here that one of the marks of a real Christian, someone who Jesus would never say, I never knew you to, is that they have a a life change in, in their walk, that somewhere during their life they come to Jesus and they're born again and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they go from the darkness into the light and there's a change. How many would say this morning that since you've come to Christ, a lot of things have changed? Amen. We're changed people. None of us are perfect, but I mean, I rem- I've been here a long time, amen, for decades, and I remember some of you when you first walked in, and, and whether you know it or not, you're nothing like you were. I mean, you're better. Just had to add that in there, right? I mean, <laughs> I could tell stories, but I won't, and, and God is moving, and God is working in us, and you know, even though sometimes it's a slow process and we don't notice God notices the change. We're different this morning, and that's because of Jesus. This verse that we're going to cover today, uh, these verses, they 
they are answering the primary question of this series, how should we then live? And there are some marks here that Jesus has given us. The verses show us the areas that should naturally change when we come out of the darkness into the light. Some changes happen hard in our lives. Some changes take decades, but some things just naturally change over time as we serve the Lord, amen? And this is what we're focusing in on this morning, the things that should naturally change because we're different. We're born again now and old things have passed away and all things have become new. So I think somebody's phone's ringing. Answer it, tell them you're in church. Four things that should be different because we're in the light. Number one, our alignment should be different. Our alignment, how we line up our lives should be different. Verse 7 says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Let's take a look at that verse. What does that mean? This whole text here is talking about immorality and uh, greediness and all these things over and over again. These are signs of the flesh. And God was telling us that through Paul, no greedy or immoral person will inherit the kingdom of God. We cover that in this study. But then he says about the greedy and the immoral and the judgment that is awaiting them. He says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Who is them? The sons of disobedience. Remember we talked about the sons of disobedience. Amen. Anybody here last week? Right? We talked about that. Who are they? They are those who know what they should do, but they refuse to do it. The text was speaking directly to the Jewish people who knew the prophets and the law, and they knew what the Messiah, what he was supposed to be and do, but they rejected Jesus, and, he, and, and the word's calling them the sons of disobedience. But it's even more than that. It's those of us, and it's all of us. Why? Because we have a conscience. We know what's right and wrong. When you and I were children and we were doing something wrong, we knew it was wrong. Come on, that's why you waited for mom to go out of the kitchen before you stole like eight ring dings out of the, out of the cabinet, right? You knew, you knew it was wrong. You knew that you had to sneak. Anytime you knew you had to sneak something. Come on, any good sneaks out there? We were not good sneaks. We would leave all the devil dog wrappers around. Mom would find them. Beatings would follow. Amen, as a good mom. But when you had to sneak and you knew you had to sneak, it's because that internal conscience was telling you, no one ever sat you down and said, son, eating seven ring dings is not, you know, you need, no, you need to share them with the family. No, we knew it was wrong to take when we weren't supposed to. So we have this internal conscience, and, and if we violate it and we say, well, I'm not going to serve God, I'm not going to do what's right, I'm going to do with what I want, we become the sons of disobedience. And it says here that we partake with them. So what, is, what does that mean, partake? It means that the wrath of God is pouring out against all wickedness and disobedience and against the unrighteous. And if we uh, are in line with that, if we partner with that, then we're going to partake in the wrath of God when it's poured out to a certain degree, even as children of God. Huh? And I know the wrath of God is not for the children of God. We're going to see in this text that if we intermingle and mesh ourselves and get entangled in the world, when God's wrath is poured out, even the righteous will feel it. Now, I know this is not happy, goose, bumpy, happy, clappy preaching, but it's what the word says, and we've got we've to consider it this morning. That it says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. He's talking to the people of God not to partake with the sons of disobedience in the outpouring of God's wrath. God's wrath and fury is poured out against unrighteousness. Why? Because he, because he wants to hurt people? Because he wants to destroy lives? No, because he wants us to repent and be saved, amen? And so even in God's wrath, there is mercy. And I want you to see that. 
Now, what's God's counsel to his children here? He says, don't be partakers with them. What is he really saying? 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch the unclean thing, and I will welcome you. God's counsel to his people is to separate themselves from the world's system. Church, our alignment has to be different. If you ever see a person who says they're a Christian, but they're exactly like the world, something doesn't add up. To be a Christian, to walk in the light, to come out of the darkness, some things are going to change and our alignment is going to change. Revelation 18, 4 through 5, there again talks about the separation that God requires. He says, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people. Who's, who's her? That's Babylon. He's calling the, the righteous remnant that is in the uh, revelation, the saints that get saved during the revelation period, in, in that judgment period, he's saying to them, come out of Babylon. Why? Because I'm about to judge Babylon. I'm about to wipe it out, and it's never going to rise again. And he's saying, come out from among them. He's saying, separate yourself. So why? So that you will not participate in her sins and receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. These scriptures suggest to us that Christians can get so close to the world that when the judgment's poured out, they feel it. How entangled do we get with the world? We're going to talk about that a little bit. But we are called to be separate. So our alignment should be different. Listen, you and I should be 100% committed to Jesus Christ. You and I should be 100% kingdom people. We're just visiting here at this point. You know, we're sojourners. We're just passing through this life. Life is quick. Eternity is forever. And so you and I have to have a different alignment, and it has to be obvious, and that should take place in our lives. Naturally, it's a process. You and I are being extricated from the world. You know, I want you to get this image in your head the world system and the sinful habits of mankind and even the culture that we live in today is kind of like being trapped in a car after it's been in a wreck. Sometimes you need the jaws of life to cut you out. Amen? But thank God the Holy Spirit is patient enough to cut us out and to pull us out. Come on, I wish there were some Christians here this morning. Our alignment needs to be different. Number two, the second thing that should be different because we're in the light is this. Our walk should be different. What's that mean, a walk, a spiritual walk? Well, it's the way we carry ourselves. It's, it's our spiritual motion. It's, it's our, what we do on a daily basis as a Christian. Our walk should be different. You know, it's interesting that the Bible calls it a walk, a spiritual walk. You know, many people you can identify from a long distance away just by the way they walk. You know, I have a habit of, you know, copying people's walks and teasing and stuff. And, and Brother Phil wasn't here this morning, but I, I do a good Brother Phil walk. I'm not going to do it for you, but when he sees it, he laughs. Why? Our walk is something that's unique about us, amen? And the way you walk and I walk, it's a little bit different, but it should be a spiritual walk that glorifies the Lord. Now, look what it says in verse 8. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the lights. Paul is telling us our walk needs to be different because when we walked in the darkness, we walk a certain way. How, how many remember the way you walked when you were in the darkness? Amen? You were all born saved? 
Now, when we were in the darkness, we were carousing. We were trying to please our flesh. We were going from one sin to the next. Maybe you were in that party lifestyle. Maybe it was all about, you know, getting high, getting drunk, carousing, all these things. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about either. Pastor, we have no idea what you're speaking of. But we've come out of that, amen. Now we're different. Come on, isn't that an awesome thing to be different, to be delivered from that? I once was in the darkness. I lived to please my flesh, but now I'm in the light and I live to please God. My walk needs to be different. Here's what constitutes our spiritual walk. Our spiritual walk is displayed in the focus and the habits of our daily routine. What's the focus of your day? If it's to please yourself, you're walking in the flesh. If it's to please God, you're walking in the spirit. You're walking in the light. The focus of our day. Jesus needs to be the centerpiece of every day. Amen. And so what's the focus of our day? What, what is the thrust of our lives? God wants it to be having him in the center. Now listen to me. Christianity isn't a Wednesday, Sunday thing. Well, I come to church on Sunday because I'm obligated to do so. No, I come on Wednesday because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Sunday and Wednesday Christian. I'm like black belt level here. You know, that's twice a week. Come on. You know, Christianity isn't a Sunday, Wednesday thing. It's an everyday thing. And let me say something else, too. We used to joke about C&E Christians, Christmas and Easter. Remember those C&E Christians? Maybe you were. I remember, <laughs> I remember sometimes in my life, you know, you know in, in, in growing up and stuff, people would go to church on Christmas, and they wouldn't see them again until Easter, and then that was it, C&E Christians. And it's not, I mean, if you're a C&E Christian, if you're a once in a while, even if you're a Sunday, Wednesday, it's got to be more than that. This walk is a daily thing, amen? Every day we get up and we walk with Jesus. Every day we carry our cross, amen? And that cross makes us more like Christ. But our, our alignment must be different and our walk must be different. It's a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day thing to walk with him, to talk with him, to be close to him, to commune with him. If you've never experienced that, I encourage you to set a day aside and commune with the Lord all day. Pray, talk to him just like he was standing next to you. Get huge doses of the word of God. Come on, I feel like I'm selling pork chops to rabbis here. Hello. <laughs> I don't have time for that. It's the best investment you'll ever make. Learn to walk with him. Now, verse 8 tells us the stone-cold truth that we were formerly darkness. You know, this strikes at the heart of people who have not come to Christ, have not confessed him as Savior and Lord, but they say, I'm a good person. I've always been a Christian. Listen, we all started off as lost souls. We, we were born in original sin. None of us came out of the womb saved, speaking in tongues, quoting John 3.16. Hello? We all had to be born again. And I said that's one of the marks of a real Christian in our other segment of this message that we study. The first mark of a real Christian is that we're born again. What does that mean? That means we've confessed our sin and we received Jesus as Savior and he has made us one of his very own. Now that might sound basic to us, but to our generation who thinks, well, you know, you just get religion, you just show up to church, you just maybe, you know, read the Bible, you show up for Christmas and Easter, you try and be better than the next person, and God grades on a curve, and you're going to make it to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. 
The Bible teaches that either we're darkness or light, either we're lost or we're found, either we're born again or we're still in our sins. And this morning, if you've never committed yourself to Christ, if you've never confessed him as Savior and Lord, if you've never come in repentance and asked him to be the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave here today. But don't you leave this place until you make sure that you know that you know that you're one of his. Amen. Amen. And so verse 8 tells us we were formerly darkness. All of us started out in original sin. We were convicted by the holy spirit he gave us the gift of repentance and we were born again so this being formerly darkness but now light paul says well unapologetically he's saying here you know walk as children of the light don't don't just get saved and be the same we're to change change is something that our flesh resists Maybe you've heard me talk about change and you've heard me talk about repentance and you've heard me talk about all these things over and over to the point where you're tired of hearing it. Maybe I'm even tired of saying it, but our generation has got to get it. Amen? We've got to get it. Paul says, walk as children of the light. And I want to ask you a question today before I move on to the next point. How's your spiritual walk? What does your daily routine look like? Is God the main course of your life? Is he the main course of your day or is he the garnish? Too many people treat God like parsley. You know what the parsley's on the plate for? Throw it out. My mom said it. Throw it out. It's garnish, right? He's the main course. See, if you're just a C and E Christian, that's garnish. If you just once in a while go to church, you know, when, when there's nothing else better to do, that's garnish. Don't treat God like the garnish. He's the steak and the potatoes. <laughs> and if you eat vegetables, I don't know. But he's the main course. He's the main deal. Let him be the centerpiece of your life. Let him be the centerpiece of your day. Too many Christians treat him like the parsley and wonder why they're spiritually unsatisfied and they're spiritually malnourished. It's because he needs to be number one in our daily routine. Amen? That means every day in the word, every day in prayer, every day walking with him, talking with him, walking in the spirit. Amen? The third thing we should see as a difference in our life is this there should be a difference in what we produce so there's a difference in our alignment there's a difference in our walk and there is a difference in what we produce do you know just by living out our days and exerting our time and energy into our daily routine we are all producing something whether we like it or not. No, pastor, I'm not, you know, I'm not producing. I'm just, you know, treading water. I'm just trying to stay below the radar. I'm just trying not to make people mad at me. Whether we like it or not, what we're investing our time and energy in every day is producing some sort of fruit. It's either producing worldly fruit that's no good or it's producing spiritual fruit that brings an eternal reward with it. Come on. Verse 9 lists three varieties of fruit that we should produce. Listen to this. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, say goodness, goodness. righteousness, and truth. So there it is. We should be producing goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, for walking in the light, the first fruit we're going to produce is goodness. According to Galatians 5.22, goodness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. 
You see how this is all linked together, amen? If we're in Christ and he's the centerpiece of our lives and we're walking with him, we're gonna produce fruit and the fruit that we're gonna produce is the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the first one that Paul mentions here is goodness. Now, the word goodness, that's, there's other translations of the word goodness in the Greek, but the Greek word used here is agathosana and it means virtuous and beneficial and it only shows up four times in the new testament it's a pretty special word it means virtuous and beneficial so you and i should be producing things that are virtuous and beneficial what's goodness goodness is the inclination to do good just because it's virtuous to do the right thing just because it's right are you getting this why do we do the right thing Oh, to score points with God so, you know, we can be saved. No, that's wrong. Salvation's a free gift. All the things we do, all the works we do don't save us. It's grace. It's a free gift. So why do we do the right thing? Just because it's right. Come on, we got to get this this morning. You see that person on the side of the road, the tire's blown out. You, be, you go over to help them, and you do it just because it's right. It's amazing. We don't do anything in our generation anymore unless, you know, we can get some sort of credit for it. We do the right thing, and then what do we do? We take pictures of it, and we post it on Facebook so everybody can, but, oh, what a good person you are. Oh, wasn't that nice? Oh, you stopped and changed the tire, and you got 15, 15 pictures of yourself using the lug wrench, and... Man, we don't do anything unless people say, if it's not on Facebook, it didn't happen. You know, I mean, we got to have the credit for it. What happened to doing the right thing just because it's right? I mean, my wife got a flat tire one time. People were just flying by. I'm like, are there any, is chivalry that dead? Forget roadside assistance. Pull over and help somebody. I mean, that's the way it used to be, right? Come on, men. Any men left here? Any no, no man. Okay, good. <laughs> goodness is the inclination to do what's right just because it's right. Goodness is the inclination to show mercy just because we get to show mercy. You know, and that's the thing we have to understand. Mercy is a win-win. When I show mercy to someone because they need it, that's awesome because they needed mercy and I was able to give it to them. Show mercy to whoever you can show mercy to. Oh, no, well, I got to stand up for myself. I got to get my pound of flesh. I got to win the argument. Just be merciful. God was merciful to us. God didn't have to put us in our place. You know, he didn't have to straighten us out. He didn't tell us, when you get good enough, I'll send Jesus to die. No, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. <laughs> so show mercy. And here, for those of you who are unmerciful, realize this. When you need mercy, you're not going to get any. Because the Bible says that we receive mercy as we sow mercy. And if we don't forgive our brother who sins against us, God won't forgive us. And on and on it goes. Listen to me. All of us have a mercy account. And here's what fills it up. When we're merciful, we sow mercy. So when we need mercy, there's some there for us. You get kicked around by life. Are people harsh to you? Do, you? do you never, you know, no one wants to give you a break? Check out what you're sowing. You know, some of us might never say it or hurt anybody, but we judge quick with our tongues. That empties our mercy account really quick. You're this and you're that. And if you weren't so this and if you weren't so that and if you did the right thing, maybe God would bless you. Wow. I'm just going to enjoy the silence. 
Mercy is a win-win. Do the right thing just because it's right. So mercy just because you have the opportunity to. You and I need to be merciful and kind and gentle in a generation that's vitriolic and harsh and judgmental. It's what shows that we've been translated from darkness to light. Listen to this story about mercy being showed by one of the presidents that marked this nation in such a great way, Abraham Lincoln. He said, despite his busy schedule during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln often visited the hospital to cheer up the wounded. On one occasion, he saw a young man who was near death. Is there anything I can do for you? Asked the compassionate president. Please write a letter to my mother, came the reply. Unrecognized by the soldier, the chief executive sat down and wrote as the youth told him what to say. The letter read, my dearest mother, I was badly hurt while doing my duty and I won't recover, but don't sorrow for me. May God bless you and father. Kiss Mary and John for me. The young man was too weak to go on, so Abe Lincoln signed the letter and added this postscript written for your son by President Abraham Lincoln. Asking to see the note, the soldier was astonished, not recognizing Lincoln. He said, are you really the president? And he said, yes. He said, is there anything else I can do for you? The young man said, will you please hold my hand? I think it would help to see me through the end. President Abe Lincoln knelt down by his bed. The gaunt man granted his request, held his hand, and with warm words and encouragement, he stayed with him till death took its toll. What does it cost us to be kind? What does it cost us to be merciful? Just a little humility, just a little time. There's people out there who are hurting. Spiritually, they're dying. What does it cost us to slow down our day and be merciful to them? You might say, well, that's way above a, you know, a president shouldn't have to do that for, listen, there is humility. There's humility in those who lead as servants that they're willing to serve even what others consider the least. Never be too important to be kind to others. If you are too important to be kind, you've lost your way. Never be too important to show mercy to someone you consider below you. Wow. If your heart is like that, you've lost your way. Mercy is a beautiful thing to express, and it shows us that goodness is something that every Christian should express. The second fruit that we should produce as Christians and it's different than the world, is this. You and I should produce the fruit of righteousness. Now, as we're talking about righteousness, that's a big word that we often misspell and don't really understand the meanings of, amen? Thank God for spell check. How many S's in righteousness? Righteousness is this. It's being... It comes to us according to keeping God's law. It, it comes to a person who has a holy heart and is covered by the blood of Jesus. We have no righteousness of our own. So when the Bible tells us to be righteous or express righteousness or bear the fruit of righteousness, it's impossible to do without Christ. Without the blood of Jesus, I am a filthy sinner and all my works are like filthy rags before God. And not just me, yours too. And so if we're going to express righteousness, if we're going to produce righteousness, we've got to put on Christ. Amen? That takes some humility to do. But God wants us to produce the fruit of righteousness. How do we do that? We put on Christ. We harness purity in our life. We grow in grace, and we learn to obey the will of God. 
Those are keys for righteousness. You know, righteousness and holiness should be the marks of every believer who is becoming mature in the Lord. Amen. You and I need to think about these things. Are, are we, you know, expressing goodness? Are we producing? Do we do the right thing just because it's right? Do we show mercy? Are we, are we righteous in this generation? Or if we stand next to a person in the world, are we so similar that there's no difference in us? Put on Christ. Display the fruits of righteousness. The third fruit is this. If we're walking in the light, we're going to produce the fruit of truth. How many think truth is important? I always say to people who reject God and, you know, well, I, I don't believe in God, so you don't like the Ten Commandments. No, I don't like the Ten Commandments. So is it okay if I lie to you? Is it okay that I steal from you? Is it okay that I commit adultery with your spouse? Hello? Which one of the commandments don't you like? Can I kill you? You're a little annoying. I'm thinking about it. Can Right? And, I, and they stand there and look at me. So which one of the commandments don't you like? You see, the truth is all of us love the truth. We want to be told the truth. We don't want to be deceived. We don't want to be tricked by others. Producing the fruit of truth requires us to accept God's perspective and hold it higher than our own perspective. Amen? I, I hear people in our generation say, you know, that's your truth. Have you heard that before? Well, that's your truth. No, it's not my truth. God's truth is truth, and anything that contradicts God's word is not truth, amen? We don't get to create our own truth. Oh, don't hurt yourself clapping. I wouldn't want you to pull a muscle. But our world likes to create its own truth. Well, this is true for me. This is what I believe, so it's truth. No, the truth is the truth, whether we like it or not, and it's God's truth. Walking in the light means walking in the truth. It means being honest with ourselves. The first truth we've got to be, we've got to be honest with ourselves. Hey, I'm good at some things and I'm bad at other things. I'm strong in some areas, but I'm weak in others. What does the flesh do? It celebrates the strength, but then where there's weakness, it hides it. Or it blames it on somebody else. It's your fault. You, you weren't nice to me. It's my mom's fault. She didn't hug me enough. It's somebody's fault. Wow. Truth is something that's rare in our world, but we've got to be truthful with ourselves, truthful with others. Tell people the truth in love. I said this to first service. Have you ever told somebody what they wanted to hear just so they'd shut up? Someone who just, da, 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 da. married people just look straight ahead right now. But to, I mean, just tell, oh, just tell them what they want to hear so they'll be quiet. You got to be truthful with others, Amen. Some of us haven't been truthful with even people who are close to us, and they're still, they're still messed up because they haven't heard the truth. I've got blind spots. You've got blind spots. I need my wife to tell me the truth. If my wife asks me, does this dress look good, I tell her the truth. Now it's quiet. It's like, Ch -ch -ch. does this look good? No, man, and I tell her, I say, I don't like the way that, and, I, and I'm very, you know, and, and, and she doesn't usually have to ask me twice because she knows. So when she steps out of the house, she knows she's looking good. <laughs> right? <laughs> so tell the truth to each other. Be truthful with yourself and be truthful with God. Huh. 
You know, we try to hide from God. What did Adam and Eve do? They sinned, and the first thing they did, they covered themselves and they hid. We, we don't want to get real with God, but we need truth in our lives. And if we're out of the darkness and into the light, we're going to produce this fruit so we can get real with ourselves and real with others and real with God. And then there can be real change in our lives, translated from the darkness into the light. Be truthful. Tell the truth in love. Get real with God. You'll never be sorry that you opened yourself up to him. Number four, the fourth fruit, and I'm bringing it in for a landing here this morning, so hang in there. The fourth thing that we should produce just because we've come out of the darkness into the light is who we live to please should be different. So our alignment should be different, our walk should be different, what we produce should be different, and who we live to please should be different. Let's just be honest this morning. We're talking about truth, right? Without coming to God, without coming to Jesus, we live to please ourselves. And many of us accept Christ, and then we still try to live to please ourselves. And there's a clash there's a clash between Christ and us. There's a clash between God and us. And there's a clash between everybody around us and us. Because if, you, if I'm trying to live to please myself, then I'm at God, odds with God. I'm at God, odds with myself, my wife, my children, my church. Man, if I'm serving me and I'm not thinking about you, if I get up in the morning and, oh, bless me, Lord, bless me, heap blessings upon me, and I'm not praying for you, that hurts. The truth is, the default setting of the flesh is please myself. But you and I, in the light, should live to please the Lord. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 is my favorite verse out of this whole entire chapter. It says, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. When I read that, it leapt off the page at me, Lewis, and it grabbed me. Because what I need to do every day when I get up is not the laundry list of things I've got to get done as husband, father, and pastor, but I have to get up every day with a heart that says, today I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord more than I want to please myself, amen? I want to please the Lord. Before I please anybody else, Lord, let me be pleasing to you. Most people don't approach the day that way, and that's why Jesus doesn't become the centerpiece of their life, and that's why their daily routine is all messed up. And at the end of the day, they're more beat up, they're more anxious, they're more empty than when they started. Say out your amen. Who we live to please should be different. Trying to learn, that's my objective. That is the, uh, that is the mission of every believer when we get up every day, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 10 becomes a pivotal place for us. Are we going to please ourselves or are we going to please the Lord? Are we going to live for ourselves or are we going to please another? And, you know, married people should get this to a certain degree. Now it's quiet. Married people are like, I'm not falling for that. But if you're married, you've, if you've married and you're still here today and you have no cuts and bruises, you've learned to please your spouse to some degree. Anybody? Who would say that over the years of marriage, you've learned to please your spouse? Amen. Praise God. And that's a noble thing. But married people know some stuff, amen? You know when you're single and, you know, you're talking about getting married and this stuff, and I listen to the things they say, I just laugh. But married people know stuff. When William Jennings Bryant was going to ask 
the father of a prospective wife for her hand in marriage, he thought long and hard how to make his pitch. Knowing that the girl's father was a very religious man, he thought it would strengthen his case for her hand in marriage if he quoted a passage from the Bible. So he quoted uh, a passage written by Solomon, Proverbs 18, 22. Whosoever finds a wife finds a good thing. To his surprise, the prospective father-in-law retorted by quoting the Apostle Paul to the effect that he who marries does well, but he who marries not does better. Shocked for a moment, the young man fell silent, and then excitedly, in inspiration, he replied, Paul had no wife, but Solomon had 700, so we're going to go with Solomon. (laughs) See, married people know some stuff. You married people are quiet this morning. I said, married people know some stuff. And I want to let you in on a little secret. I know what my wife likes. This is where it gets real awkward. I know what my I love what she likes to drink. I know what she likes to eat. I know when she likes to be left alone. I know when I'm being annoying. I know what my wife likes. Come on. And here's why. Here's why I know. We, we've been together about 30 years now. It's going to be 28 years that we're married in October, and we, were, we recorded before that, amen? 30 years. There should be some sort of trophy for her, some sort of you know, 30 years. But like, here's why I know what my wife likes. Because I've asked her. Oh, communication. You know, well, I don't know. I don't know what she drink. I don't know what she like. Did you ask? This is one of the topics we cover with every couple we counsel, amen? Communication. I don't know. I don't know what she, she says I don't listen. I think that's what she says. I don't know. I know what she likes because I've asked her. I know what she likes because I've studied her. When we were courting, I I had to trick her into marrying me. I had to study her, right? So I've asked. I've, you know, I've studied her. I pay attention when she looks at something at the store, which flowers she likes. Come on, don't show up with the ugly flowers she don't like. I got your purple pansies. I've studied her. I've spent massive amounts of time with her. You know, I remember first being married 28 years ago here. It's coming up on. Every time I turned around, she was right there, right there. She's right there. Sometimes I turn around, she's right there. So I turn around, she's in front of me. She's everywhere. I spent massive amount of time. So I've studied her. I, I've, I've listened to what she said. I spent time with her. Uh, and you know what else? I love her and I want to please her. When you love somebody and you want to please them, You'll study them, and you'll learn. Are you getting this today? We should treat God the same way. We should ask him what he requires of us. Many times before the Lord passed the mic, I've just been, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? I'll do whatever you say to do, Lord. I'll say whatever you want me to say. Ask of the Lord. Study the Lord. You say, study the word. The more we read the scripture, the more we spend time in his word, the more it reveals the character and nature of God to us. So we know what he requires. We know what he desires because we've spent time with him. We've studied him and we love him and we want to please him. That's why I love this text so much, trying to learn. God, I'm not perfect. God, I'm not getting it right, but I'm trying to learn. I want to be pleasing to you. And that's got to be our heart every day. If we get up and say, I'm, I'm all about pleasing me, we're going to miss it. The Bible says if we, if we save our life, we'll lose it. But if we lose our lives for his sake, we'll find it. 
Anybody want to live? Anybody want to enjoy the good things of God? Ask him what he requires. Study him. Spend time with him. Love him and have the desire to please him. If we'll do those things, the difference in darkness and light will be shown in our lives. We live to please God and we produce different fruit and our alignment is different and our walk is different. All for this purpose, not to save us, but to show Christ through us so that this hurting broken, confused, lost, dark world can see some light. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I thank you this morning for a message like this. Not an easy one to hear, not an easy one to receive, but Lord, there should be differences in, in all of us because we've come out of the darkness into the light. We don't want to be t- partakers with those who are entangled with the world. Father, if we're entangled with the world, disentangle us, God. So when the wrath is poured out, we wouldn't suffer loss, but we would be separated unto you, that we would learn to show the fruits of righteousness, that we would embrace the truth and get honest and real with you, that that we would have a walk that's different than the walk of the world, that we would study you and spend time with you and fall in love with you all over again. God, let it be in each of us that we would fall in love with you over and over to please you above ourselves. If you're here this morning and you've never had an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. The Bible says that all of us have to come to a place where we acknowledge that we're sinners and we receive Christ personally as our Savior. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we would be saved. He made it so easy. Repent of your sin confess it to me and receive me and I will save you from the condition of being lost. Now, what will happen if we do that? He'll forgive all of our sins. He'll write our name in the Lamb's book of life. He'll mark us as one of his own children. He'll fill us with his Holy Spirit and give us the power to live a different life. Maybe you say, I've been trying to change. I've been trying to live a different life, but I can't do it. No, you and I can't do it outside of a relationship with Jesus. You don't clean yourself off to go into the shower. You get in the shower filthy and let the water clean you. So don't wait until you've got it all together to come to Christ. Come to him the way you are. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you're here and you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, if you want a clean slate and a fresh start, if you want to be forgiven and your eternity be settled, I want you to lift up your hand and say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. God bless you today. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. God bless you, sir. Don't be shy. Jesus hung on a cross naked for us between heaven and earth to die. God bless you. Anyone else, we'll take our time. Let's pray a prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you as a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live a different life. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to welcome you to the family of God. God bless you today. Amen. God bless you today. You know, the ushers handed out a bunch of packs, put a pack in your hand that's got some information on starting your new life with Christ, walking with Jesus. 
uh, you're not joining the church. We don't want your visa card number. We just want to encourage you to be in church and be in the word and continue to grow. That's the first step uh, that you've taken this morning. The angels of heaven are rejoicing uh, this morning. God is well able to keep you from this moment forward. Trust him and let your faith grow this morning. God bless you this morning.